Hey guys, hope you all are doing well. Welcome to the first half of the two-part series in the Healthy Q Challenge. Healthy Q is a challenge designed to help teach and maintain a healthy quarantine. When the COVID-19 health crisis hit, a lot of our traditional methods to stay healthy were uprooted, and the pure volume of information online about staying healthy at home from blogs to websites to social media posts is overwhelming. We want to break it down for you while also aiding it with scientific facts and aid that information with practical activities that will both be worth your time and enjoyable to a degree. The best thing about this challenge is that you have the ability to custom design your own experience based on how much time you have that week as well as other factors. Another thing that's so great about this challenge is that you guys, the listeners, have the capability to tune in, tune in whenever and wherever. helping both us and yourself. So let's dive straight into it. The next couple minutes are going to be all about the detrimental effects that can ensue if we become screen slaves and confined to ourselves within without the least bit form of exercise. Nowadays, everybody seems to have some sort of electronic device, be it a phone, laptop, tablet, or even a gaming device. Also, everyone is guilty of using these said devices by preference, not really necessity most of the time, myself included. Now, I know it sounds easy, and your parents are probably telling you every day to get off the game and go play outside. It probably feels like you're playing on a broken record and there's no off switch. Even I'm guilty of wanting to stay on my device when my parents tell me to switch it up. But there are specific reasons and potential consequences that come from extended use of devices. which is partly why they tell you to stop sometimes. These negative effects are what we want to emphasize in the short time that we have to educate you guys. By the end, you should be able to understand why it is best for you to limit technology use not only during quarantine but for normal everyday life as well. So the essential questions to ask yourself before you dive deeper is how many hours a day are you on an electronic device? Once you have asked that, ask yourself now how many of those hours are really necessary how much of it should you actually be spending every day if you didn't get a good answer for the last two questions don't worry because that's what we're here to do let's start with some personal anecdotes however to show how serious it is if you continue to stare at screens without taking breaks and limiting yourselves to screen time now we have lohit oh shit no man no, i'll remove that part right Yes, sir. First off, one negative effect I have experienced repeatedly is constant headaches. I wear glasses, which adds on to the constant strain on my eyes. A month ago, my screen time increased even more because of the PSAT and my online practice. That might have been the only time my parents didn't tell me to turn off my laptop. That week or so of extended screen time gave me not only headaches, but I also had trouble sleeping. Experts recommend not looking at a screen for at least 30 minutes before you sleep. Needless to say, I didn't follow that advice, and I'm pretty sure you guys don't as well. This will allow you to sleep more sound and will also enhance your ability to dream. I have been doing this for about a week now, and I realize my productivity has increased, and I feel less tired in the morning. Normally, I need an alarm to wake me up because I fall asleep very late and I'm usually still sleepy in the morning. Now, due to a more pre- pleasurable sleep, I have the energy to wake up in the morning and get things done without feeling depleted. So you may ask, why do screens specifically hinder our ability to sleep well? Much research has been done on this topic, and it has been discovered 
that the blue light emitted from these screens interferes with your body's production of melatonin, also known as a sleep hormone. That's why using a digital device before you sleep makes sleeping much harder. These screens also contain many toxic chemicals which we inhale every time we use a device. They also emit radio frequency waves, also known as RF, which can potentially be harmful depending on the intensity of the radiation. These waves result in the heating of biological tissue and also causes excessively high body heat, which can cause permanent tissue damage because of the body's inability to dissipate the excess heat. Another hard-hitting fact about screens is that they unfortunately make us lazier. Less work, less work gets done, and soon your body starts burning less calories than you normally do, which makes you gain weight. Obesity is a major problem, especially in the United States, where it seems like we have inventions that do everything for us. If you don't believe me, go on Amazon and you'll find a machine that flosses your teeth for you. It's ridiculous how lazy people are because of technology. This laziness leads to an increased weight gain, and when it isn't controlled or fixed, it can lead to obesity. In a national sample of 10 to 15 year olds, about 60% of the overweight children were used to extend television time. Going even further about the physical effects of extended screen time, it can lead to diabetes, heart disease, and even cancer. One thing I have noticed while in lockdown is that whenever I see someone that I don't live with, it has become increasingly difficult to communicate with them. I can still communicate with them, but I feel less confident and sure of my wor words than before my extended use of technology. Earlier, I would start a conversation, make the person laugh, and it would feel like a normal conversation. But now, I find myself searching for words and not knowing how to carry on a conversation. Impaired social skills have been a reported consequence of long-term screen usage. In my classes, I find myself less willing to answer questions or add to the discussion due to my being unsure of my words and contemplating what to say. Your social skills and your self-esteem both take large hits because of this increased screen time. It will be difficult to reduce screen time due to the situation we live in, but aside from classes, you should try to use your device as little as possible. Some suggestions would be to use paper instead of a Google Doc, play sports outside instead of watching or playing them online, or even write, read a handheld book instead of using an e-reader or a digital copy. One way to get started is to make a set of rules for yourself. Personally, before I use an electronic device, I ask myself, is there any other way to perform this task? Another rule I set for myself is to switch off all electronic devices 30 minutes prior to sleeping. Lastly, meditation before sleeping will help pass these 30 minutes and make you feel more rested and ready for sleep. Any small change you succeed can make a big difference. The next part is for the kids. People say these days, People these days are constantly on social media. 60% of users check Instagram at least three times a day, while Snapchat reports that the average number of times people open up the app is 30. And TikTok reports that people spend an average of 52 minutes on the app. With this knowledge, what do you think is a healthy amount of time for technology daily? Well, according to the AHA, American Heart Association, Children ages 2 through 5 should be limited to only 1 hour of screen time, while kids and teens should be limited to 2 to 3 hours a day. Obviously, this is not entirely possible due to the circumstances with online learning, which is why we are asking you to limit unnecessary use. Okay, so limiting screen time keeps your brain healthy. But what about your physical body? How do you keep that healthy? 
There is a short and sweet answer to that. Movement. I know what you must be thinking. Movement. That's so basic. I've been moving throughout quarantine with my TikTok dances and whatnot. <laughs> well, we are going to go a little bit deeper than that. By the end, you should have a better understanding of what each and every one of you can do to stay active and why scientists urge the young population in doing so, as well as the, the ramifications of not staying active in a time when constant is probably the most important thing you can do while self-isolating. So the essential question you should be asking yourself is, what are the effects of not staying active while self-isolating? And how can we maintain an active lifestyle while still being able to quarantine ourselves? As many of our daily routines remain restricted during the coronavirus pandemic, it can be difficult to find the motivation to exercise. However, not moving around at all is going to do our bodies more harm than good. Let me first start off by listing off the top of my head some of the benefits that constantly exercising has on our bodies. Some of these may seem obvious and you may you might even know much about what I'm about to tell you, but there has never been a time in our life where the need for exercise needs to be stressed more. Exercise can help ease depression, stress, and anxiety, and aid in the management of chronic conditions such as high blood pressure and diabetes. Let's start off with easing depression and anxiety. One of the biggest and probably the hardest things to do during the COVID-19 pandemic has been self-isolating, usually from your friends and loved ones, and in even some extreme cases, your own family. One thing that we can all do to stay healthy mentally, more on that later, but more importantly, physically. If I had to say the worst thing that has happened since the beginning of COVID, it would have to be the disability of me not being able to see anyone outside of my family. According to the CDC, 40% of US adults struggled with depression and substance abuse during the late June period, a time when the pandemic was rampant. That just proves my point that the need for exercise has never been greater. Not even exercising, just moving around in our homes doing some basic stretches here and there can help our bodies fight off cortisol which is being produced. Cortisol is a hormone that our body releases during depression which lowers our fight and flight response. When we exercise, we stop the flow of cortisol and we tend to remain more happy and you know what they say, being happy is synonymous to staying healthy. As mentioned before, Exercising can also help lower chronic conditions such as high blood pressure and diabetes. I don't know about you guys, but one thing that I realized in myself is that I am an amazing cook. Being freed up during quarantine allowed me to really expand out of my comfort zone and put on a couple of additional recipes under my belt. For example, my, la- my lasagna. It's to die for. One thing I can say, however, is that not all these recipes were le- relatively healthy. Therefore, it was more important for me that I burn those calories as quickly as possible. In addition, studies have shown that the exercise can strengthen your immune system, something that is particularly important at this time, especially for older adults who are more vulnerable to COVID-19. Our goal is to build up our cardiorespiratory endurance. What this is, is the ability of your heart lungs and blood vessels to send fuel and oxygen to your tissues during long periods of moderate to vigorous activity. 
Having good cardiorespiratory endurance means that you'll be less likely to develop the, these chronic conditions and, of course, less likely to be susceptible to COVID itself. The easiest way to build this is to exercise regularly. While we are talking about the heart, let's talk about five ways how our heart benefits from physical activity. Number one might be the most crucial. It pumps more blood each beat. That's a good thing because blood carries oxygen. And if more blood is being pumped, more oxygen reaches our cells. Number two is that it gets more rest. This may seem counterintuitive, but all this means is that it doesn't have to strain as much to pump blood. This is also a combination with reason three, which is that the heart will work more efficiently when we partake in physical activity. As it works more efficiently, we will be able to reach our target heart rate much quicker, which is why the heart rate at which your cardiovascular system receives the most benefits from exercise without working too hard. Number four is that our heart muscles will get stronger, allowing us to pump more blood but also lowering the risk of heart conditions such as heart attacks. Finally, number five is that our resting heart rate will lower. So I've been telling you about why staying active and moving around is so important, but the question still begs, what can you do to deal with it? For some of you guys, maybe your gym or fitness center is closed due to COVID reasons, and you still need a way to be active. Well, there are so many things you can do. I can offer you some tips regarding what to do to ensure you guys stay healthy. The biggest tip is to prioritize prioritize your workouts. People who put their fitness activities on the same calendar as their regular appointments tend to stick to their plan. Further, getting that feeling that you've accomplished something for that day, there's nothing better. Another tip is to be specific with your workouts and track them. They don't have to be very long at all, just consistent. Do this at the same time every day for a number of minutes and you're already on the track to staying healthy. As long as you're partaking in physical activity, you are. So I've mentioned the word physical activity many times right here, but what exactly do I mean by that? Some of you may be thinking that any activity is physical activity, but that might not always be the case. True definition of physical activity is, is any movement that requires large muscle groups to work. There are actually different types of physical activity as well. These types of physical exercise are classified based on the type and intensity of your workout. Aerobic exercises is an ongoing physical activity that raises your breathing and heart rates. These include skiing, basketball, and more. Anaerobic exercise is an intensive physical activity that lasts for a few seconds to a few minutes. Cells of your body are not using oxygen during exercise. This form of exercise is found in activities such as weightlifting or sprinting. Exercise can also be classified based on what parts of the body are being utilized. Isometric exercise is exercise performed with machines that ensure muscle contact at a constant rate. Activities that cause flexion, extension, and hyperextension are known as isometric exercises. Isotonic exercise is an exercise that involves contracting and relaxing muscles through the full range of their joints motion. Shot put and or discus are known as isotonic exercises because they require 
or full articulation of a joint in order to be successful, in order to successfully let the disc or ball loose, respective of the exercise. Another thing that many people tend to mix up is physical activity versus physical fitness. I define physical activity. So what in the world is physical fitness? In layman's terms, physical fitness means having the energy and strength to participate in a variety of activities. It's basically a broad term describing the physical components of well-being that enables a person to function at optimal levels and is specific to the activities performed. Just keep in mind that physical activity is what leads to physical fitness, which is what our goal is to achieve. You want to be sure to choose to do something that will release tons of endorphins. In dancing, for example, we'll do that in the body. Endorphins are chemicals that block pain messages from reaching your brain cells and produce feelings of pleasure. After all, you want to be comfortable doing exercise because that's the way you'll get the full benefit from it. I mean, that's the main goal of exercise to begin with. You should enjoy it. Something that I'm sure you guys didn't know is that there are actually five stages of physical activity. From start to end, when we first start thinking about exercising to when we finish the workout, every single person passes through these steps. But obviously, people spend different amounts of times in each stage. Stage one is the couch potato. This is exactly what it sounds like. A person who is sedentary or does no physical activity. Stage two is the inactive thinking. In this stage, the person is contemplating exercise, but is still not making an active decision to get up and follow through with the exercise. Stage three is the planning. In this stage, the person is making steps on committing to exercise. He or she is planning out their workout, how long the workout is going to be, and more. Stage four is the activator stage. In this stage, the person is activating the exercise routine. They're following through with what they had planned but they're still not as active as they, can, they should be. Finally, stage five is the active exercise. In this stage, the person is exercising actively and consistently without putting much thought into it. Exercising becomes a part of the daily routine and they start to look forward to this time of the day. This is a stage that everyone should try, strive to reach. The last bit of information I want to leave you with is the FIT formula. So what exactly is FIT? FIT is a fitness plan that depends on four factors of exercise, frequency, intensity, time, and type. The F stands for frequency or how long or often you work. The I is for intensity or how hard you work. The first T is for time or the length of the time or duration that you work. The second T stands for type or the specific type or mode of activity you choose. When you follow the FIT formula, you know when you are exercising economically and sustainably. So that was about all we had to cover in part one of these two-part series. I know that it may seem like a lot to take in right now, but trust me and relax. It should all come naturally to you, and the only way to do that is through practice. We have homework for you, actually. Don't groan, it's not that bad. We just need you to practice the skills we talked about today, because it will only benefit you. Other than that, be tuned for part two and thank you for your time. We really hope we changed your life and gave you some positive insight towards your lives. That's it for this episode of the Healthy Q Challenge podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for the next one.